This is the Breaker.News podcast for the week of February 25th, 2024. I'm Bob Mackin, publisher of the Breaker.News and host of the Breaker.News podcast. Welcome to edition number 331. The Breaker is your source for news, opinion, and analysis about British Columbia issues, institutions, and influencers. Later, I'll tell you how you can support the Breaker. On this edition, headlines from the Pacific Rim and the Pacific Northwest. I award a virtual Nanaimo bar to a difference maker. And on the big deal feature, he played 13 years in the Canadian Football League and won two Grey Cups with the BC Lions. Number 64, Angus Reid, will receive the Jack Diamond Sports Personality of the Year Award on February 28th at the Jewish Community Center's annual sports dinner. I welcome Angus Reid back to the podcast. This is the Big Deal feature on the Breaker.News podcast. Born in Richmond, a Vancouver College product, drafted by the Toronto Argonauts out of Simon Fraser University and traded from the Montreal Alouettes to the BC Lions, Angus Reid spent 13 seasons on the Leo's offensive line. He was a three-time All-Star and a member of two Grey Cup championship teams. Number 64 is also author of the book Thank You, Coach, and he's a motivational speaker. On February 28th, Angus Reid becomes the Jack Diamond Sports Personality of the Year at the RBC JCC Sports Dinner in the Hyatt Regency to benefit the Jewish Community Center of Greater Vancouver. I welcome back to this podcast Angus Reid, who was my guest on edition number 56 way back in November 2018. Now living in Coldstream, BC, in the interior, you're coming back to Vancouver for February 28th for the ceremony at the Hyatt Regency. Uh, tell me when you were told that you had been named the winner of the Jack Diamond Sports Personality of the Year Award and who called you and what was your initial reaction? It was just before Christmas and it was my, my good friend and former teammate Noah Cantor, who I believe is on the board. He reached out and asked if I could uh, we could have a Zoom meeting with, with the board. <laughs> and I, I distinctly remember telling my wife, I'm 100 percent convinced they're going to ask me to MC the dinner. I, I, I was convinced, like, they wanted me to MC it. And I was kind of nervous because I was going to turn them down because I thought it was a little bit too big of a deal for me. Like, I didn't think I could MC something like this. I, I was going to tell them I think this is beyond my capabilities. And I really went into the meeting going, okay, they probably want me to MC this or maybe auction or something. I don't know. And when the board came in uh, or came on and told me, um, very few times in my life have I been that – uh, blindsided in a positive way. Like I, I really had zero expectations that that's what it was about. Maybe that's how naive I was, but that's how large of an honor it is and how overwhelmed and unprepared I really was. Um, I, I, I literally, I, I, I think I shed a tear there. I, I, I was really speechless, which is hard to get me to that kind of place. Uh, I really took a while for me to wrap my head around. This wasn't a joke and they weren't uh, pulling my leg or something like that. Bob. It was, it was, it was overwhelming. It really was. Yeah, you actually join a list that includes uh, Noah Cantor, uh, Wally Buono, of course, was a winner back in 2014, Bob Ackles, the late Bob Ackles in 2005, and uh, the first one uh, back in 1999, one of the first ones was uh, Louis Pasaglia. So you uh, join a, a small group of uh, Lions greats who've been recognized uh, with this honor. Yeah, and I and I you know I've been to the dinner a few times. I was there when Wally won it. Uh, I was there a few other times when I was playing. Uh, you know, I got to sit at certain people's tables, so I'm very aware of 
how prestigious and, and, and what a big deal it really was. And I think that was part of the reason why uh, I was so overwhelmed and, and really caught off guard because I wasn't, I just don't see myself in that world. And I don't know anyone that really says they do. And I'm sure it's overwhelming for anybody, but I really, really, uh, I, I still struggle wrapping my head around this going, wow, this is actually my reality now. That's um, it's, it's, it's hard for me to accept in, in the most, uh, you know, in, 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 in the most uh, honored, overwhelmed way I can possibly express. You must be working on your acceptance speech. I know you do a lot of, uh, uh, motivational speaking but this is a different kind of uh, speech an acceptance speech um what will you be telling the crowd at the hyatt regency and, and who will you be thanking and why that'll be the, the most of it will be thanking people you know i think it's going to be a reminder that we are who we are because of people that have probably shaped us and, and i'm just a lucky I'm, I'm just a very fortunate person to have, have grown up in a family that you know modeled giving and, and demonstrating excellence and helping and supporting. So to me, that was just normal. That's what I knew because of the environment I grew up around. And I, and I had great coaches and mentors when I was young again. And I learned that's just what you do. You, you support the next generation. You encourage them. You, you, you do what you can to be of, of any type of added benefit to, to everyone around you. So there'll be a lot of thanks. I, I'm really, really, really grateful that, uh, I, I'm able to have a lot of people there that have mattered to me in my life. Uh, my family will be there, but I'm able to bring back some of my, my high school coaches and, and, and really, really important people that I don't often see on a day-to-day -day basis, but it's it's been a really nice opportunity for me to make sure certain people are there because I am who I've become because of them. You know, we, we, are, we are who we are because of people, and I've just been really lucky and fortunate to have so many great people uh, be influential in my life and that's you know i try to spend every moment of my life paying that forward by uh trying to be a good influence to, to everyone else i can be now uh, the uh, guest speaker at the event is john McEnroe. you'll have a chance to meet john McEnroe, who of course uh, uh a passionate uh, tennis player and commentator in uh, more recent years and actually was in vancouver last year for the labor cup uh uh, he's someone who got the highest ranks of his sport, uh, sometimes uh, crossed over the line in, in tennis, but again, a passionate uh, uh, advocate for uh, for tennis players, for athletes, uh, and, and a fierce competitor. And and being a fierce competitor is uh, what, what you were throughout those years with uh, the BC Lions, really a, a golden age for the BC Lions. Yeah, uh, again, a fortune for so many reasons, you know, people you thank, but my time frame in professional sports, you know, so many things have to come together for you to make it at that level. You know, just being good enough doesn't always, doesn't always matter. There has to be opportunities, positions, and then you, and then, you know, beyond that, you're lucky to be in an organization that's doing well. And I was double lucky to be in an organization that was doing well at that time in my hometown. And you know, a lot of people can't script that for themselves. You just don't have that ability. So so many factors came together for me to be, as you said, Bob, in the golden age of kind of the resurgence of the Lions when Bobby Ackles came back uh, from the NFL and the XFL and Wally came in. And I was right there. My career was all part of that exact same, you know, seven, eight, eight nine year window where we, uh, I think, recaptured a fan base in Vancouver. We became uh, the toast of the town for quite a while with good reason. We won a lot. We had good characters on our team. We had great management organization that, is for me, uh, you know, 10 years removed from the game, really exciting for me to see that sort of happening again with the Lions and another new resurgence, I would say, of their popularity for all the right reasons.
And what were some of those those highest highs and the lowest lows of your career with the Lions, both on field and off field? Well, on the field, you know, I, I always say you know, the 2011 Grey Cup was was unique for all kinds of reasons. Uh, when it was at home, we won it, which is rare. We started that season 0-5, 1-6. No one had ever done that. It was historic for um, a lot of different factors and will never be forgotten. But, you know, I, I always look to the fact that uh, you know, 04, 05, 06, 07, we hosted the Western Final every single year during that stretch. Um, I think it was taken for granted almost during that time how good we were consistently. And a lot of that had to do with, I think, Wally's ability to pretty much keep our team relatively intact by CFL standards. So, you know, in, in a league that has classically been seen as kind of a revolving door year by year, every team's always different. It was hard for fans to connect. We not only were really good, we had the same core group of people for a long time. So that felt for me, relationships and, and, and friendships that were very real, but also to be in the city uh, uh, with a fan base that knew us really well. And we had the same people and we were winning a lot. Uh, I, I look back on that time and it's a lot what I speak to on organizations and business now on how do you build a consistent winner that is also a really, really elite culture that's a really good culture. And I was a part of that. So I forever look at those years as going, that's how you do it. And I was actually lucky to be a part of a group going, that's how you build something that is really good. That's sustainable. Um, that, that, you know, that is, that is, that is looked at as a, a template, I think for uh, how you do it right. BC Lions great Angus Reed, the Jack Diamond sports personality of 2024 is my guest on this edition. I asked him about the transition out of professional football and the highs and lows outside of the game. For instance, Angus has been very public about overcoming a gambling addiction. It's it's never easy. And anyone that says that, I I, I, I think is probably a little bit lying. Um, but I mean, transition's hard for anyone when you have to leave a world where, um, whether you're whether you're an elite expert or not, where you've been successful for a long period of time, transition is something that is on one level, completely different. But when you finally get to that place and realize that you have a lot of skills that are transferable, I think the biggest issue with athletes are they fail to initially see what they really have that makes that that works elsewhere in the world. And you you know you think all I know how to do is block somebody or, or throw a football or, or 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 score a basketball or you know shoot a basketball in a hoop, and you feel lost because you don't think you have skills that are applicable in life. And it took a lot of learning for me to see. What you really have learned is, you know, how to how to work together with people, how to have common goals, how to solve problems, how to how to keep morale up, uh, how to look for uh, ways to help each other instead of ways to blame each other. All the things that are universal human traits. And it did take me a while, Bob, because you you do look at yourself and say, you know, what can I do now? And and, and you have the added reality of, of a body that is probably um, 30, 40 years older than it was because, you know, I had 13 surgeries in three years. You feel beaten down don't know where you fit in, don't have the confidence because you don't realize that you can do other things. And I think that's a big lesson I try my best to, to proactively educate to athletes now is one, obviously make sure you're doing what you can to, to see the, the bigger world than just your sports world and every day to realize what's out there. But don't for a moment think that you don't have skills that matter to people. If you particularly have been in a team sport, you understand how to work together. You understand how to solve problems. You understand where to place your focus. You understand how to take coaching, um, you know, take feedback, things that a lot of people struggle with. And that's been, you know, I've been able to parlay that into a pretty successful world of helping businesses and other organizations realize 
how to create environments where people feel their best working with others. Because I had that experience with the Lions at an elite level, doing it right in a high stakes world of football where you know, pressure can break a lot of people. It can create um, difficult environments where a lot of egos can clash. But we were in an environment that we navigated that pretty well. And that's something that exists in every asset of the world. You know, Bob, in politics, in business, it's all the same thing, right? How do you get, um, you know, elite people to realize it's about working together better, not just you know, being the smartest, being the best, and making sure I'm right? Um, so that's kind of where I found my niche and realizing everything I did isn't just a memory or lost in something I used to do. And I think that's a big lesson for not just athletes, but for everyone out there that when you're transitioning, you're bringing a lot with you. I think historically we thought we're just leaving it all behind and that's not the case. And, and, you know, I've been lucky now in the last couple of years, I've been able to now also get back to coaching directly so I can now not just help within the sport itself. Cause I know it at the high school level, but hopefully start planting those seeds with teenage teenage kids early so they realize you know this is part of a process of getting you ready for life it's not an end to itself where you play football and then when it's over it's all over it's something you'll never have again everything compounds and what we're learning here will take to the next level and it did take me a long time to learn that but now that i have i i, I really feel um, empowered to make sure we keep reminding everybody else that so people don't have to go through those those hard times when they think because this is over, I'm over, and it's just not the case. Yeah, you alluded to it uh, being a coach in high school football, offensive line coach, assistant coach at the Vernon Panthers, the, uh, the the junior and senior varsity BC champs. Vernon has become a place of excellence for high school football. Scouts are looking at players there. Why did you decide to get into coaching at the high school level and uh where are you going to go from here or or are you just dissatisfied with giving back to the community when i was when i retired i kind of promised myself i was going to take a break from from sports to 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 give myself some perspective and get away from it and and then i started feeling the itch uh, a few years ago that i wanted to be around it more and i and i knew that i had enough knowledge that it was kind of wasted just sitting in my head um you know i could comment on games and do radio talk but i thought I, coaching has always come kind of natural for me to want to actually work with people and help them. And, you know, we talked before we came on, Bob, I, I don't really have any interests or aspirations of doing it as a job because, you know, then, 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 then your motives get skewed a little bit. You can't help it, right? You got to keep your job. You, you know, you're dragging your family all around North America because the reality is you're going to get fired. I didn't want to be in that situation. I just want to coach sport. And I love doing it at the level where it's, it's a lot more about helping some young young kids grow up through football than football being, um, you know, their end game right now. These are, you know, 15, 16, 17 year old, um, pretty much boys on the team. And they're in that difficult, could be difficult, or shall we say fragile time in life where they're trying to figure out who they are. Are they worth anything? Can they do anything? Um, you know, and they're trying to navigate that and football is a nice little vetting ground for them to find out what they're made of. And, you know, I, I coach offensive line because what I know, but really what I'm trying to do is help these kids realize what they're capable of life through the sport. And that's all it is. And I, and I, you know, I, I, I love it. You're seeing kids go through phase of being uncertain, unsure, insecure, and then they're graduating with confidence, realizing they can do anything they're willing to work hard at. And it's okay to struggle and it's okay to not be great at something on day one. It's the, it's the work at getting better that makes you who you are. And again, 
Bob, my, my goal is that becomes a, a trans, uh, you know, a, a trans, a transformational and a, and, and a trait that they realize is universal. That's just something they apply to anything they want to do. It's not a football specific thing. And I work really hard with my messaging every day with, with, with the young boys to realize, you know, I'm not teaching you how to block. I'm teaching you how to learn to do something. And that becomes a universal skill that you can apply, um, you know, how to think, how to problem solve, how to work together, how to look for problems and not look for blame and all the things that we talk about every day. And it's working on the football field. We're showing success, but the real goal is always, and I can't wait to hopefully see this 10 years from now, seeing them being very successful in life uh, because hopefully, uh, you know, things have come from seeds that I, maybe I was able to plant during these, during these, you know, fertile times of their life where they're figuring out who they are. You came from Simon Fraser, and uh, that was the shock of last year when the uh, sports administration decided to shut down the team. Are you still in contact with any of the alumni, and what what are people talking about uh, a year later? Is there still a, a, you know, a move to try to bring it back? Yeah, I think there always will be people, and I think there are a lot of alumni still doing everything they can to, um, I don't know if save the program is the right word anymore, but to do what they can to to, to do what they can. Um, I'm not in the smallest circle to re, to know on the day to day what's actually happening. I think that it's general just um, sadness, anger, frustration, uh, all, all the other emotions you can think of where it's just very unfortunate that we're at a place now where schools think it's a better decision to remove environments for young people to continue to grow up and learn skills that matter. And they think it's better to remove that from their balance sheet. I, to me, again, football outside of pro sports is not about breeding professional athletes. That's my biggest thing. You know, you spoke about it. Some of our kids in high school go on to play university football. I think it's unbelievable, but that's not the goal. And even at the college level, it's not the goal to produce professional athletes. The goal is to keep giving them uh, varied environments that are going to support them developing into becoming, you know, productive Corrective citizens and people in our world, and part of a university education is helping kids be prepared for life. And that was such a great environment for people to learn so many things that are very difficult to teach anywhere else. It really is. And so I'm just upset that an institute of higher learning realizes or, or, or has come to the conclusion that they're better off removing a, a really outstanding outlet that helped young people grow up and give them skills that got them ready for life. They thought it's better not to have that. And I think that's really upsetting to me because that's another uh, outlet that was necessary for, you know, 100 kids a year that is gone. And I don't know how you just replace that and say, this will this will do in the same way. So to me, again, football is what I look to. And the reason I love football so much is because it's the one sport. No, I, I love all sports. Don't get me wrong. But football is unique because it allows the most participants. It rarely says no to anybody. So you can have anybody that wants to realize what it's like to be a part of something and work really hard at something and get better with other people, you can do it in football. And even at the university level, you wanted to endure the work and whatnot, you can enjoy the rewards. And now that's been removed. And I think that's a very sad thing when we start looking at 10 years from now, 20 years from now, how many people could have become something with that help that's been removed from that as an option. And the university thought that was a better decision. I struggle with that. 2024 is a special year for football in British Columbia, and not just because Angus Reid is the Jack Diamond Sports Personality of the Year. It's the 70th anniversary of the Lions' 1954 kickoff. 
The club will host the Ottawa Red Blacks for Touchdown Pacific, a regular season game on Labor Day weekend on the grass in Victoria's Royal Athletic Park. Then in November, BC Place hosts the 111th Grey Cup game. I went to multiple games last year, was able to bring my boys to them, which was really fun. Uh, they have a great product on the field. Uh, but what I'm even more excited about, though, is just the, the, the progress on the ownership side in terms of the organization itself. Uh, one, it's not just in good hands, I don't think, not just in terms of financial stability, but I think you have an owner now that is not just saying, look, we're going to make sure bills are paid. I think you have an owner saying, let's see how great we can make this. And, 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 and I'm in for what that takes. And let, let's, let's keep pushing forward. I, I've had talks with him before and everything is about, Hey, we're interested in making this great, whatever that means, let's do it. And I think it's a, you know, you spoke about my, my tenure with the Lions was sort of a resurgence golden age from maybe those early 80 days. I, I think we're kind of entering a, the next phase of the, the next golden age. I think where, you know, you're making the Lions a really cool place to be again and they're, and they win. And that's the real combination, right? You need to win, but why am I going to the game? Why am I driving downtown and paying too much for parking and fighting traffic? Because it's a really, really cool thing to be at. And I think they're doing everything they can to make that happen. And my hat goes off to, to the Lions as an organization for understanding both sides of the coin, uh, you know, on-field product, but also a an event, an event that's worth going down to and the kids want to be at. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and I'm just happy to be a, a young dad now that have my boys. You know, we live in the Okanagan now, but to go to the Coastal Lions game, that's a big piece of that that trip to the coast, and they they love it. They love every second of it. And to me, that's if you get eight year olds excited about football, you get a new fan base hopefully for the rest of their life, and 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 I just love that that's the direction it's headed in. Well, thanks again for joining us on the podcast, uh, Angus Reed. BC Lions great number sixty four and winner of the twenty twenty four Jack Diamond Sports Personality of the Year Award. Thanks, Bob. Now it's time on the Breaker News podcast for Around the Rim. We look at news headlines around the Pacific Rim. In the Taiwan news. Canadian actor denies abusing Taiwanese actress Phoebe Huang. Actress Lang Shuyun claims Downs used elbow to strike Huang's chest. A divorce lawsuit between Christopher Downs and Huang is being heard by a Xilin district court in Taipei. Downs argued that if Huang's accusations were true, he would have been in prison long ago, questioning how he could still be a free man. His LinkedIn profile said he has also lived in Greater Vancouver. In Kyoto News, Japan eyes providing $32 million in additional humanitarian aid to Gaza. The planned humanitarian assistance would be delivered through international institutions, but would not be provided via the UN Relief and Works Agency, a Japanese government official said. Along with the United States and other Western nations, Japan has suspended funding for UNRWA following allegations that its staff members might have been involved in Hamas's surprise October 7th terrorist attack on Israel. In the Hong Kong Free Press, number of young adults in Hong Kong continues to decline despite year-end population growth of 0.4% to 7.5 million. Census and Statistics Department figures showed a noticeable decline in the number of young adults in Hong Kong 
particularly those aged 20 to 34. Meantime, the rise in overall population has been attributed mostly to an influx of residents from mainland China. That's Around the Rim on this edition of the Breaker.News podcast. podcast for Cascadia Calling. We look at news headlines around the Pacific Northwest. In the Oregonian, one of Portland's most prolific graffiti suspects arrested, indicted, police say. Police arrested Jerry Majangos on January 1st on a probation violation, and a grand jury indicted him on January 30th. Police suspect Miyangos is responsible for hundreds of criminal tags in the past two and a half years. In the Seattle Times, Coast Guard launches traffic control for whales in Puget Sound. The U.S. Coast Guard celebrated the launch of a new four-year pilot program, dubbed the Cetacean Desk, that intends to keep whales and vessels safely apart and reduce underwater racket. Modeled after Canada's Marine Mammal Desk, the Coast Guard hub is intended to give mariners near real-time data about the location of whales through the existing whale report alert system. In the Times Colonist, BC Ferries adds sailings for Taylor Swift's Vancouver concerts. The 11 extra round-trip sailings have been added to the Twasson Swartz Bay schedule for Thursday, December 5th to Monday, December 9th. The Swift concerts are scheduled for December 6th, 7th, and 8th at BC Place Stadium. That's Cascadia calling on this edition of the Breaker.News podcast. Every week we end the Breaker.News podcast on a tasty note by awarding the goodness of a virtual Nanamo bar to people making a difference. A virtual version of the province's favorite dessert bar goes this week to the people that care for senior citizens across British Columbia. February 28th is BC Seniors Care Providers Day in BC. You can nominate someone for a virtual Nanamo bar. Send me an email to bob at thebreaker.news. Spruce Hill Contracting, Custom Homes and Renovations. Find more information at sprucehill.ca. That's it for the Breaker.News podcast for the week of February 25th, 2024. I'm Bob Mackin. Thanks for joining me. Did you know that on the 25th of February in 1951, the first Pan-American Games opened in Argentina, Canada hosted in 1967 and 1999 in Winnipeg, and 2015 in Toronto? Now you know. Send me your feedback, send me your story ideas to bob at thebreaker.news. Bookmark thebreaker.news. You can also find us at thebreaker.ca. Sign up for the email newsletter and get updates to your inbox, or follow the Breaker News as news happens on X, formerly Twitter. And you can support The Breaker for as little as $2 a month. For more information, go to patreon.com slash thebreakernews. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash thebreakernews. Until next week. <laughs> <laughs>